Hey there, and welcome to the Coachworth Podcast. I'm your host, Darlene Murphy. Listen, did you know that your brain is the most powerful tool on this planet? It is. And I'm going to teach you how to train your brain, clear your focus, and claim your success. So let's get going. Hey, everyone. Today is June 4th, 2020. It's a beautiful day here in New England, just 80 degrees, absolutely gorgeous. Um, We're coming out of the, coming back, reopening, whatever. Uh, So everything's good. Uh, Today we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about a concept called entrepreneurial risk tolerance, which is a term I made up. I'm so proud of myself, but I'm going to explain what I mean by it. Um, So risk tolerance is commonly used in investing. It's probably not a term that you use every day. Not many people do, but it's a, it's something that I have discussed with people, no joke, like thousands of times. You could even say I'm a bit of an expert in it. In the world of investment management, risk, risk tolerance is something that is simultaneously very, very basic, and yet it's also very nuanced and kind of tricky. It's a requirement, by the way, for anyone who intends to give you investment advice or manage your money to discover what your risk tolerance is, or they have to try to, and to try to direct your investments accordingly. Did you know that that's a law, actually? And advisors who fail to do that will get in a lot of trouble. So a little pointer there. Um, So what is it when we're talking about investing? Here's how Investopedia defines it. The amount of risk that an investor is comfortable taking or the degree of uncertainty that an investor is able to handle. Well, that's helpful. (laughs) The word comfortable, (laughs) Um, so, so scientific, right? Um, In my experience, here's how I would describe it. It equates more closely with what I personally have told clients or have, have deemed the freak out factor. How much does your portfolio have to decline before you freak out? And what does freaking out look like? Well, it looks different for different people. In investing, um, it can look like constantly, like numerous times a day, checking your portfolio online or constantly watching CNBC obsessively or calling your advisor a lot, like daily or more than once a day. I mean, even daily, <laughs> that's, that's too much, um, or losing sleep over it, worrying about it, or just, you know, the ultimate freak out, like, you know what, I got to get out of these investments, it's going down, I can't stand it, get me all to cash, I just can't take it anymore. The thing about risk tolerance in investment management and the obligation that financial advisors have to discover each client's unique risk tolerance is you kind of I've, I've had to do this, and I mean, you really have to be a detective. I mean, let's say a couple comes into an advisor's office and sits down to hire him or her. It's a sunny, happy day, right? Where the decision is made, everybody's happy. Um, and the advisor typically will have a questionnaire or some means to discern what the client's risk tolerance or freakout factor is. Um, But still, this is just like everything's happy, we're signing papers, it's like the marriage of the advisor and the client, and honestly, if an advisor's doing a good job, like you could keep a client for like 10 years, so it's a happy time. Um, 
tend to be very optimistic, like, oh, there aren't going to be any downturns, and if there are, they'll be temporary, and so on. Like, it's just not a focus on that. And so the couple, the client, will often be, let's say, a little overly optimistic. Um, and if you read about risk tolerance a little bit more, um, it is often described as having to do with the following factors, the age of the client, the future plans for the money, and those two things affect what we call the investment time horizon, the client's total net worth and their experience with investing. Um, all those things, net worth you could nail down, but a lot of the other things are kind of fuzzy. Um, and your net worth, I don't think, necessarily dictates your risk tolerance in investing. I, I have learned that. Um, nor does your age. Your plans for the money, you know, for, so for example, if you have a pile of money and your plan for it is in six months you're going to pay your daughter's college tuition, well, that determines your risk tolerance right there, in my opinion. It puts it at zero. Like, take that money and just put it in the bank, please. Don't invest it. Maybe some people would disagree with me on that, but six months is just too short to screw around with. Um, but all the other factors, they don't really give you the answer. I've known 70-year-olds who are super aggressive and risk tolerant in their investing, and I've known 20-somethings who like have a very low tolerance for volatility to the downside. And then when the advisor asks the client using a questionnaire or some other means, like to ask them really more directly if they want to dig in, guess what? Clients, they kind of lie. I mean, I don't mean lie, like deliberately try to deceive, but they tend to, in that moment, produce a kind of bravado that tends to come at the beginning of something and they don't really want to consider a market correction or something that could possibly happen that would have them seeing their nest egg go minus 10%, minus 15%, minus 20%. And to be honest, and this is not a criticism of advisors because I've been one for many years, but it's a happy day and you're just not going to dwell too long on that scenario. You're going to take your client's word for what they say. So I've seen it happen with quite some frequency that people answer those questions one way, like very boldly, they declare themselves long-term investors who are tolerant of downside fluctuations. Uh, and I've seen it happen that if those people do have a decline, sometimes they do freak out in con completely contrary to what they filled out on their questionnaire. So Anyway, if you've invested before, or if you're an advisor, certainly, I mean, this is not news, what I'm telling you here. And the purpose of this podcast is not to talk about investment risk tolerance, as fascinating as it is. And it, and it really truly is. I could write a whole book about that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I want to borrow that concept and apply it to your business. And so I want to talk about something called entrepreneurial risk tolerance. You know, it's funny, there's a lot of rules and regulations about things like how doctors treat patients, like we have HIPAA and all kinds of rules and such, and also how teachers teach our kids and what they can teach them and how many days of school they have to have and so on, and how your investment advisor has to deal with you in terms of managing your money, tons of rules, I can testify to that. But there's also many, many super important things we do in life that have like almost no rules or any qualifications about who can do it. And 
Okay, so am I the only person who thinks this? Here's one, becoming a parent. Have you ever thought about this? I mean, this is like, this bothers me, cracks me up. I don't know what to say, but, you know, sometimes I step back and I go, oh my God, any person who is like physically able to bear and conceive a child that don't even have to be 18 can become a parent, right? And we all know people who definitely should not be parent. Like you should never become a parent. Think about it. You know someone, um, or maybe they're like, you know, not ready. Um, my son who is 19, he could become a father technically, but you know, he can't even pick up his own socks and underwear. So, um, I feel like he wouldn't be ready. Um, and, you know, we've seen horrible and catastrophic examples of bad parenting. There are laws that about child abuse and child neglect and that, but, you know, there's really, there's no license, there's no training required, there's no education. People just fall into it. Um, it's kind of scary when you step back and think about it. And yet the human race survives. Amazing. So there's another thing that is gets done a lot and anyone can do, which is start a business right? All you need is an idea, a willingness, I think some courage. And in most cases, you need a little money to throw at it. I mean, there are people who manage to use other people's money or start really on a shoestring, but that's difficult. Um, and in the case of starting businesses and running businesses, I mean, there's millions of books and there's business schools and business degrees. I have two, um, you can get training, but it's certainly not required. And there's no advisor, like when you go to your lawyer to form your LLC, like they have no requirement to ascertain your ability to do this or your entrepreneurial risk tolerance. Um, and you know, there is a lot of risk, you know, talking about investments, like the most risky thing that you can invest in is a startup business. You know that, right? And people don't feel that way though. When it's their baby, they it's sort of like you don't feel like you're at very high risk when you're driving in your own car, but somehow when you're a passenger in somebody else's or if you're a passenger on a bus or a plane, you can feel scared because you're not you're not driving. Um and you know what? People who start businesses and most founders, like, especially when they look back, you know what they say to me? They say, and this is very characteristic of the entrepreneurial mindset. They say, you know what? I didn't really think about it. I, it's very, very common. Despite all the training, all the learning, all the education that's out there, and you can make business plans, cash flow forecasts, all that stuff that you probably should do, many people don't, or they do a real half-assed job of it, and they just kind of like, dive in. It's very much like the way people fall in love. Actually, I think they get caught up in it. They get swept up in it. They aren't thinking and planning, um, like they teach you in business school so much as they are, um, hoping and dreaming and believing. And it's a wonderful thing. Actually, it's a passion that, ha that comes and sometimes entrepreneurs will say, you know what, if I had thought about everything that could go wrong, about how much money I could lose, all the risks I was taking, I wouldn't have done it. So interesting. And then we also know other people, right? The flip side of the coin, the Walter Mitties of 
entrepreneurship. Um, did you ever read that story? I, I think it's titled The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. It was required reading for me at some point in, in school. I can explain it. Um, this guy, Mitty, he's this like mild-mannered, meek, timid guy who has, I don't know, some incredibly boring job in this boring, boring, mundane, very unexciting life, but he passes his time constantly daydreaming. And in his daydreams, he is a hero and he's always doing these very exciting things like he's, I don't know, like a fighter pilot and stuff like that. So he has this whole very rich life that's in his dreams, but it always ends up back coming back to his regular life where he's scared to do anything and he never does do anything and it's very sad. So I was going to say we also all of us know a lot of sort of I'll call them entrepreneurial water Walter Mitty's who will say to you like geez I could have bought that building you know you know how much money I could have made if I had an opportunity to bet, invest in that building and I just you know I didn't though. Um, so you can just go into any room of 30 people, which is something that I haven't done in a really long time in the middle of the corona, right? Um, you know, any random group of people and you will find um, a good collection of people who could tell you all about the business deal that got away. And it wasn't really that the, the, like the fish that got away, they, they just didn't jump out and do anything about it. Starting and building a business is not for the faint of heart. There is that first leap and then there's many other leaps that come later. I don't care if you have your business for like 30 years, you're doing new things. You're investing in a very highly paid you know, executive or you're doing a marketing campaign or you're starting a new project. I mean, you're always taking those leaps. The first one, probably the hardest. So sometimes when people start a business, it can be something that's completely by the book, like really planned. You have the business plan. You did a capital raise of some sort. Maybe you've done research or you have patents pending, whatever, or not. Sometimes people just dive in and sometimes they even go one direction and hey, that's not going to work. And we end up, we started this business and then we take a big sharp left turn and we ended up in a totally different business. Uh, that happens a lot. Um, most of my entrepreneurial efforts as I think about them have been uh, more along the lines of the latter, more, believe it or not, leap, more leaping and less looking. Um, and although like full disclosure, I have won uh, an actual award in business school in a business plan competition. So I know completely how to do them, how to run the numbers, etc cash flow forecasts, all of it. But again, for some of us, starting a business can be more like falling in love. And if we were to pause and consider and do all that planning, all that risk, we might say, oh, geez, oh my God, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we should forget it. <laughs> and in my work, in my professional life, advising small businesses on their finances, which is where I really learned how to do business plans, cash flow forecasts early in my career, I used to help people prepare these things, and it was my job to point out to them the large amounts of capital that they might need and that what they would be putting at risk to be successful. And, you know, I did that. Um, but the people with a real fire in their belly sometimes just wouldn't listen. I mean, they just would not be deterred. Despite knowing everything I know about entrepreneurs which is that many will just jump into the pool without even looking like how deep it is or isn't. 
I still think there's an important part of business planning that's not really about crunching the numbers, but it's worth evaluating before you jump into a brand new venture, or even a side venture, or an additional line of business. And that is, what is your entrepreneurial risk tolerance? So what do I mean by that exactly? Just like investing risk tolerance, it's very basic and yet really nuanced. It comes down to knowing yourself. And when I say know yourself, I could be talking about you, if it is in fact just you, but you need to consider here also your business partners, if you have any, or anyone who's investing the money in with you, including if it's a bank or somebody like that, like they have their risk tolerance, believe me, and you can find that out pretty quickly, what are the terms, and any other stakeholders, like who's going to be working with you? Who's going to be throwing down with you? Is it perhaps your spouse who might be like, yeah, I'll help you. I'll do the, you know, I'll do the back office stuff or whatever, you know, and they, they're going to work in it with you maybe for free. And what is he or she giving up and not doing to do that? So that there's many different ways to invest in a business more than just money. And you have to consider all those stakeholders. So let's talk about the non-money things. There is your time. And as an investing, your time horizon, meaning how much time are you willing to sacrifice to make this thing be successful? How much time do you actually have? You know, people who are doing like a side hustle to their full-time job, like you really need to consider you don't have as much time as you probably need to make a business successful. Money can be time in this case. So it is helpful even if you don't do like the full-blown projections, um, scratch out the dollars and figure if I have to put X dollars into this and the run rate of my cost is going to be Y dollars per month, then I can divide and there I can see I can make it maybe 18 months and then I probably have to discount that because things always cost more than what you think and things always take longer. Honestly, here again is where so many entrepreneurs go off on a wing and a prayer. They don't even do these basic back of the envelope calculations. They tend to calculate things on the upside. Like I can buy it for this and I can sell it for that. And it has this huge margin. Let's go. Um, but let's just say you calculate that you have 18 months like to, to work with before you run out of money. Because that kills businesses, by the way, running out of money. That is it. That is the death of most baby businesses is like no more cash, game over. So are you willing and able to commit fully for the 18 months? Are your other partners and stakeholders down for 18 months? Because, you know, starting something, it is. It's, it can be hard damn work. And then perhaps most important, more important is the emotional component. Do you have the emotional resiliency to do this? So going back to my analogy of investment risk tolerance, it's all about emotional resiliency. The advisor will pose questions like, if the market and your investments go down 15%, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, um, what are you going to do? And, and by the way, here's a tip if you ever become an investment advisor <laughs> or if you're a client even, like try to quantify that. I used to try to express it in um, dollar terms for people like, so million dollar client, 15% decline means you see your portfolio go to 850,000. Like how do you feel on that day, that week, that quarter? 
and what exactly are you going to do or not do. And so translating this in terms of launching a new venture or a division or a strategic partnership or whatever you're looking at launching in an entrepreneurial way, you have to spell this out for yourself. Are you willing to like knock yourself out working 12 to 18 hour days with very few days off for 18 months? And what if this happens? What if you get to month 12 and you still have no sales and you have no results? Are you going to feel discouraged? Are you going to want to quit? Are you going to want to give up? What if you work so hard on developing and patenting this great, I don't know, world-changing new product or process only to get out to market and find that there's a competitor you didn't know about and they have one that's actually better than yours? What do you do then? What if you thought you had zero competition and then suddenly a large company in your industry starts doing exactly what you're doing and they just have the ability to take you down. How are you gonna react? What if you invest all this money and all this time and have some unexpected thing? Oh, I don't know, let's say it's just a pandemic, for God's sake. You know, shut your short your store down, your retail store for three months. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna curl up in a ball and cry? Is that you? Or are you the person who's like, you know, going to cry for half an hour and get up and keep fighting. You need to know not only what your outer limits are for money and resources, that's the kind of stuff that should be in even the most minimalist back of the envelope business plans, but also emotionally on a very deep level, how deep are you willing to go? And it's no judgment. Like if you say, I don't, I won't suffer that well, then, you know, maybe scale back your plans. And like investors coming into the advisor's office on day one, the day that you decide to launch this new business or launch this new product, buy out your competitor, whatever you're doing, it's a sunny day. You know, everything looks great. We look at the upside. That's what we do. We're humans. And most of us entrepreneurs, especially we're really good at seeing the glass half full. We're full of hope and dreams for the future. And I mean, thank God for that, right? But you do have to devote at least a few thoughts to your capacity for risk tolerance, financially, in terms of time, in terms of your personal life, and most of all, in terms of your emotional resiliency. Because it's just rarely a straight line. There's gonna be stops and starts and twists and turns, almost guaranteed. By the way, I'm very aware that we live in this culture right now, particularly with young people who will tend to do stuff like use hashtag, like, I don't know, like hashtag boss up or boss this or that. Can you see my eyes rolling through this podcast? <laughs> it reminds me of the popular culture that also now surrounds weddings with all the TV shows about brides and bridezillas. I, if I, I really don't watch these shows, but if I catch it on television, I feel like screaming at them like, it's not about the wedding, people. It's about the marriage and that is marriage is difficult. Um, but in business, you have shows like Shark Tank, and I, I think there's other shows. And you know, I love Shark Tank. It's entertaining and it's all great. It's the American way. It's the American dream to start a business. But there too, sometimes I just want to like yell at these people through my TV. And I'm sorry, I'm being a little ranting here today, aren't I? And like, yes, you make the best cookie in a jar or brownie in a jar or whatever it is, but do you have what it takes 
to stick with this business, to expand from this one product that you brought onto Shark Tank, fight your way into a distribution channel, handle unfair con- competition and cheating that you're going to find, people steal your recipe for your cupcake, whatever, and all the things that can and will happen that are completely unexpected that are going to happen on the way to making bank, are you? do you have that in you? Um, investing risk tolerance involves an assessment of investing experience. Likewise, entrepreneurial experience may also have a bearing. So if you're an entrepreneur and you've been down this kind of road before, great. I think you're a safer bet. I mean, nothing's guaranteed, but I like I would like to see that if I were investing, if I were one of the Shark Tank people. Um, so entrepreneurial risk tolerance, it is basic yet nuanced. And it can be actually really hard to predict, you know? When you think about those people coming into Shark Tank, like, you don't know. You really don't know. It's like the Army trains soldiers, and they don't know how any one soldier is going to react in a combat situation. Will they will they stay and fight, or will they turn tail and run? You don't know. So do your numbers. Do your plans. Go as deep as you need to there, or as deep as you want to. But I think the most important thing is know yourself as much as you can. Know your partners. Know your team. What is your tolerance for adversity? Because I promise you, whether it's your first business or your 10th, launching a venture is an obstacle course of epic proportion. And your ability to tolerate discomfort and even failure Yes, failure, because it's going to be a lot of failures. That's going to have, that's probably the one thing is going to have the greatest effect on your outcome. So thanks for listening. Go out and make some money. Hey there. If you're enjoying this podcast, you've really got to come check out the private coaching programs at coachworth.net. In private coaching, what we do is we take this type of material and we apply it to your life. We take it to the next level and we study it with amazing results. Check us out at coachworth.net.